Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for uh, the celebration, that what we celebrate is not a, uh, a one-time occurrence as far as something that we only need to celebrate one day a year, but God, is something that we celebrate really every weekend, the fact that you uh, have set yourself apart and aside by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, but his death wasn't just the, the final thing. His resurrection is what offers us life and life more abundantly. So today, God, we pray that you would speak to us, that your word would change us, that, God, we would understand uh, exactly what it means uh, to be rescued, to experience a great rescue. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to, to Romans chapter 3, uh, bookmark it there. Uh, and if you want to, you can follow along. I'm going to be in Jeremiah chapter 23 just real quick, and then we're going to jump back over to Romans uh, chapter 3. Uh, we've been doing a sermon series called Hello, My Name is God, and we've revealed uh, each of the names that God reveals Himself uh, as in Scripture, and we've looked at things like uh, God being Elohim. What we see in Elohim is the, that God in the beginning was the Creator, uh, and He separates Himself out from everything else. So He's the Creator God in that way. And names are important, right? Every name is important. Matter of fact, uh, you know, joking around, I've I've said this in the past. You know, I'm known to some as Pastor Brian. To others, uh, it may just be Brian. I, I said in the past, I don't like being called Reverend. Drives me nuts. I just, I, I hate that word. I, I hate when somebody's like, this is Reverend Grout. Now, look, I understand pomp and circumstance, or I understand those things, but if I went and got a PhD, I still wouldn't want people to call me doctor, all right? And I know in a professional standpoint, it is what it is, but I wouldn't want people come up going, Dr. Grout. I'd be like, dude, it's Brian, bro. It's, I mean, like, serious, lighten up, all right? Uh, to my kids, I'm dad. And if anybody else called me dad, I would look at you and probably smack you around. Be like, what the heck's your problem? You, you know, uh, you know <laughs> in the sports aspect where you say, who's your dad? He's basically saying, I own you. <laughs> you know, I, I have driven you into the ground. It's, it's a submission aspect. Names are everything. Matter of fact, names oftentimes represent who we are. Maybe you were given a nickname uh, as you grew up. You know, for me, uh, a lot of my nicknames tended to f- come from my last name, Grout. So when I was little especially in elementary school, there was the joke, frying trout. You know, being in Wyoming with a lot of fishermen, I think they just thought that was funny. Hey, frying trout, Brian Grout, frying trout. So had that when I was like first and second grade, but then it basically became grouty. Everybody calls me grouty. Matter of fact, I was talking with Lance here. Uh, when I was in the Navy, if somebody called you by your first name, you never answered. <laughs> like you'd be walking down the passageway of the ship and somebody would say, hey, Brian, you just keep walking. Hey, hey, I'm called Grout. What? I was calling you. Oh, sorry. What did you say? You said your first name. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear it. You don't pay attention to those things, but names mean something. And the names of God reveal his character and his ability to meet our needs. And that's what we've been looking at over the last f- couple weeks, about four or five weeks, that we've been looking at the names of God and how he reveals himself and what he's able to accomplish in and through that. In Jeremiah chapter 23, in the first couple verses. I'm going to read it. You don't have to mark yourself there. You can if you want to. Jeremiah chapter 23, there's a a warning that God is presenting to the people, and he says this, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Now, he's coming down hard on what we would call the teachers or the religious leaders of the day. And listen to what he says again, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. In other words, there are people who have played a religious game for long enough that they have created a false sense of security in religious 
motives or a religious intent, all right? In other words, if you follow these religious principles and laws, then you're going to be okay. And he's saying, whoa, you're, you're screwing everything up. Why? Because you're destroying and scattering the sheep. You have misled people. And he says in verse 2, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. But then listen to what he says. I myself will gather the remnant of the flock out of all the countries where I've driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and increase in number, and I will place shepherds over them, who will tend to them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. And then he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I raise up to David a righteous branch, a king, who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In the days of Judah, or in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live safely. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. And as you think about that, that's what we're going to be talking about today, this great rescue, the Lord our righteous redeemer, the one who is going to provide the way, the one who makes the payment and then provides the victory. And so as we were digging into this, we said we want to look at three reasons why we want to study the names of God. Number one is this, because we're commanded to. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Matter of fact, if you've been around, you've seen the Ten Commandments posted on a number of places, you see that. We don't want to dishonor or take the name of the Lord in vain. So why do we study God's names? We're commanded to, to honor God's name. Number two, we believe that in studying God's names, we understand God's character and experience his power more intimately. And I think one of the flaws we have in most circumstances or in most people's lives is we look at God and we have this idea about God based upon what everybody else says instead of how God reveals himself to us. A lot of times we let experiences, we let somebody's statements, we let what our life, what we go through in life, we let all of those things dictate what we believe about God. When God says, hey, hold on just a second, here's who I am. And as a result of that, life can be joyful even in the painful times, or you can do it on your own and, and you're not going to experience my true identity. So we can understand God's character and his ability to meet our needs. Number three, I believe we cl grow closer to God by knowing his name. And so here's the names we talked about. Elohim, he is the creator and sustainer of all things. Yahweh, if you know anything about Yahweh, matter of fact, if you've heard, maybe if you've been around the church long enough, you've heard the term Jehovah, all right? Jehovah's not in the Bible. I know that's going to offend some of you King James people. You're just going to have to get over it. Because Jehovah is actually a combination of two names, all right? It's the vowel pointing from Adonai and the consonants from the word Yahweh. See, the, the, the Jewish people took the name Yahweh so highly, they wouldn't even say it. They were afraid to say it because they were afraid to dishonor God's name. So when they would come to the word Yahweh in the Bible, they would substitute the vowel points of Adonai, and they would just say Adonai because they didn't want to misuse the name Yahweh. We get Jehovah because what they did is they took, like I said, the consonants of Yahweh, the vowel points from Adonai, and they said, hey, we'll make an English word out of it. That's where the King James gets Jehovah. Matter of fact, in your Bible, your Bible may say something like this, Lord God, capital, all capital letters. It doesn't say Jehovah unless you got King James, okay? And there's nothing wrong with King James. What I'm just telling you is it's called a transliteration, 
They're just doing it. They're just taking something that's Jewish, putting it into English. Hey, we make up a word. So when we look at this, we see Yahweh, Jehovah. He is the God. He's a relational God. And we said in Genesis chapter 2, there's this idea that Satan wants us to understand that God's not a relational God. So when Satan tempts Adam and Eve, he says he acknowledges them as Elohim, but he does not acknowledge him as Yahweh. Why? Because when I don't acknowledge him as a personal God, a relational God, if I make God very impersonal, then God doesn't care about me and I don't have to care about him. And so we looked at that. We saw Yahweh as a relational God. Adonai means the Lord God who rules. He is our master. And a master or ownership is this idea that he provides, protects, guards, cares for, and loves. It's not an idea of slavery, It's an idea that he provides, protects, guards, cares for, and loves. All right? Jehovah Jireh. In other words, Yahweh. Yahweh Yireh. We're going to throw in the the Hebrew. It's the God who provides. Jehovah Saba. The Lord is our warrior. He fights the battles for us. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. In other words, he's peace when we face the difficult things. El Elyon. He is God most high. In other words, there is none higher. And then El Shaddai is Lord God Almighty. Those are the names we've covered. And I want you to think about this as we jump into this idea that God is our righteousness. On August 5th, 2010, matter of fact, you might have seen this movie, there were 33 Chilean miners trapped 2,300 feet below the surface. Now, I'm thinking 2,300 feet, oh my gosh. Like, I'm just, 2,300 feet of land. Like, when I go out to the caves out here to pick up the, the, the uh, a thing I had to pick up one time for our house out of the caves over here off 291, and I'm thinking like there's 25 feet of ground above me. I would not want that to fall on me, (laughs) all right? These Chilean miners, they were in a copper and gold mine, are trapped 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth when it caves in. They have a cave in, they're trapped. And you might, like I said, you might have seen this movie, but I want you to think about what happens in this cave in that had them trapped in a dark place with no way out. And for more than two weeks, the rescuers heard nothing from these trapped miners. Matter of fact, you might have remembered watching it on the news. I just kept thinking over and over and over again, they're dead. I don't know why you're trying. Just leave. I mean, let them rest in peace. They're, they're gone. Over and over and over again, they just kept trying over and over to rescue them. And, and sometimes it just gets bad enough in life that maybe you feel like you're trapped. Maybe you feel like you're in a mine. Maybe the weight of the world seems to be upon you. You can't get out of the position you're in. You can't see any hope uh, for those who might be trying to help you. And if they were going to be saved, you know that it's going to be a miraculous thing from above. That's the reality of what takes place. And I can't imagine being trapped. I think about we used to have to do egress. Any, any ex-Navy Navy guys? We had to do emergency egress. So when we were out at sea, we had to act like we would lose power. And if we lost power, how would you get off the ship with no power? Now, you're in the middle of a steel ship with no lights, no sunlight, and you got to find your way out. You can't see your hand in front of your face. You're like... And we had to know our way out. You had to know how many steps from my rack out to the, the door, out to the passageway where I could get off that passageway, get up a ladder well, and get to an area where I could get off the ship. It's called emergency egress. We had to do it in under two minutes. Really, they wanted you under 90 seconds. Because at that point, if there was an issue, most likely if you lost power, you also lost ventilation. If you lost ventilation, there's most likely damage to the ship. In other words, a missile or something hit it, and you're in trouble. So you've got to be able to get out quickly. 
And a lot of times when we feel trapped, we feel trapped by everything that goes on. And I want you to look at today as we look at this, is that God says he will be the Lord, our righteousness, the one one who is going to rescue us from above. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you here's what he's saying if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you're going to be satisfied but as you seek his righteousness then he's going to add everything else that you're going to need and so if you remember anything i want you to remember this This it's the main point if you're a first time guest or you haven't been here in a while i always try and have a main point here's the main point number or main idea jesus is our rescue And he makes us right with God. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 3, and we're going to finish out here. He says this, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. And this righteousness from God comes through, what's it say? You can answer. Just cheat. This This is open book test. Through what? Through faith in who? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to, there's a big fat Greek word there, it's called all, and all means some. No, it means all. All means all. So this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So remember this. If you remember anything, you got to remember Jesus is our rescue and he is the one that makes us right with God. So when you feel like the weight of the world is upon you, maybe you feel like you're trapped by life's circumstances and situations. Maybe it's emotional problems or relational problems. Maybe it's financial problems or spiritual problems. You look at all of those issues. Those are things that can be overwhelming, overcoming. Those are ones that we can feel like we just need to be rescued from. Maybe you feel like you are trapped in that way. And I want you to understand this. In answering this question, how can we be rescued? I want you to understand this. There is nothing that you and I can do to be rescued. Not that you and I can do. You can't do it, only God can do it. So righteousness, when we talk about Jehovah, what we call Jehovah Sidkenu, I'm going to throw out a Hebrew word. Yes, there's two consonants in there because it's a Hebrew thing. All right, I know English, consonant vowel or consonant vowel consonant, that doesn't float in Hebrew, all right? Okay, doesn't happen. So Jehovah Sidkenu, if, if you want to write it in English, you can. I don't care if you do. It's T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, all right? Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord our righteousness. See, righteousness is the opposite of wrongness. You're either right or you're wrong, unless you're in my relationship with my wife, and even when I'm wrong, I'm still just joking. <laughs> and if you can't laugh at that, you've got problems. But anyways, so, but listen, righteousness is the opposite of wrongness. It's the standard that God requires. And here's, here's the thing that I oftentimes see what goes on. We like to set a standard based upon what somebody else may say is right. That's usually the way we function. What is right and what is wrong is usually based upon the standard that somebody else may set, correct? It's called the law. You and I didn't necessarily make up the laws, did we? Somebody else sets them up. Matter of fact, if you don't like our government or you don't like our laws, just look at our government. 
because they don't even know what to do on some of them, all right? But here's the reality. Righteousness is based upon the standard that God set in this sense. And so here's the big thing. When we say this, Jesus is our rescue and makes us right, how can we be rescued? I want you to see this. Number one, how can we be rescued is to know that righteousness comes from God alone. Listen to what he says. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law. And then he jumps down again and he says, this, <clears throat> excuse me, this righteousness from God comes through faith. So where does righteousness or rightness or a right standing come from? Who sets the standard? God sets the standard right from the beginning, and that's the thing we have to begin to understand. If God sets the standard, then the standard has been set by him. I can't dictate or change the standard. A matter of fact, maybe in the past, maybe you grew up in church and you just said, you know what, the church has got way too many rules. And I would say a lot of times you're correct. Because a lot of times we had mentalities like this. Well, if he doesn't dress right... Or if he doesn't do the right things, or if he's not giving enough, or if, you, you get the picture, right? As if it's all based upon that. Matter of fact, I had a, a lunch meeting, on a, or sorry, breakfast meetings on a regular occasion with a buddy when I lived down in Springfield. And one morning I was in IHOP, North Springfield, and a guy was sitting across from me, and uh, he tells me, and I might have showed this story in the past, I hope not, but if I did, I did. Um, he tells me he's got the spiritual gift of evangelism, of which I went, oh, <laughs> great, <laughs> good for you. And he tells me how he's led these people to Christ, but they never change. And I'm like, well, what do you mean they don't change? What's, what's the issue? Well, you know, like I led this one guy to Christ, and he had this long biker ponytail, and I told him he needed to cut his hair. And I went, why? <laughs> well, because everybody's a new creation. And I went, so you got to cut your hair? Well, yeah. Well, that kind of sounds like a standard you've set up. I said, show me in the Bible where it says that. Nothing. And what I want you to begin to see is this. Jumping back to Jeremiah chapter 33 is that there are people who have set up standards and ideas that if you come to Christ, this is what it has to look like. And it has misled people for so long. Because the true standard of righteousness is based upon... Christ. It is based upon what God did. Why? Because we can know that righteousness comes from God alone. There's nothing else. There is no one righteous, no, not one. If you grew up in the church, you've heard that over and over and over again. Matter of fact, Isaiah says that if if you have anything that is quote-unquote righteous, all your righteousness is like filthy rags. In other words, dirty. It's useless. There is nothing you can do. There's no one good, no, not one. And then we end up in this problem. We end up in a predicament. We feel trapped. You can't climb out of being trapped on your own. As a matter of fact, I think about the miners. You can't climb out of the mine shaft because you don't have the power, the tools, the ability. You are trapped. Could you imagine being buried? What's going to happen when you're buried in a mine shaft and you try and get out? Where do you have to go? What's going to happen? Everything you start digging at is going to come doesn't make sense, does it? You're trapped. You're stuck. And trapped by the thought that you can do it. And I think that this is one of the biggest struggles we have, that money or power or good works or even religious attempts will help you out. Listen again to what he says. But now a righteousness from God apart from 
the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Here's the beautiful picture. If you grew up in church, you understand the Ten Commandments. He says this, a righteousness apart from the law. In other words, no matter how much you try and keep the law, you're still going to fail. But this righteousness comes outside the law. And guess what? The law and the prophets, it all testifies to the righteousness that's going to come through God. So when we look at the Lord God, our righteousness, it comes as a result apart from the law, separate from the law. It offers us life and life more abundantly. And the struggle is that we live in a society today that looks to individuals to set the standard of righteousness instead of looking at the standard setter in the first place. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he knew what he was carrying. He knew what he was doing. He knew the burden. He knew the pain. He knew the regret. He knew the anguish. He knew the hatred. He knew the despair, the depression. He knew the addictions that you would face. And everything else is wrong. And yet he still went to the cross. Because it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, no matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are, it says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That puts us all in the same boat. That's the great thing about this. But listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When Christ went to the cross, he became our sin. He bore our sin so that we could have righteousness in him, that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what he's laying out. And so when we fully understand the significance of this Jehovah Sidkenu, this Lord our righteousness, we're confronted with the question, how can wrongness be in the presence of rightness? How can something that's so wrong be in the presence of rightness? Listen to what he says in verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's the beautiful story about this. Jesus' death on the cross and Jesus' resurrection says or is offering life to all who believe. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So there's this idea that we begin to understand that righteousness is a result. This is number two. How do we become righteous or how, do we, how are we rescued? We have to understand that righteousness is a result of God's grace in Christ Jesus. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Listen to this. There is no difference. But we like to make everything about difference, right? Every, I mean, I'll be honest. Tattoos used to be the cool thing because it made you different, right? Now if you don't have a tattoo, you're cool. Why? Because you're the minority now. I literally... Like I read a statistic not too long ago, 76% of all millennials who are of legal age now have a tattoo. I'm like, man, you'd be cool not to have one now. It's difference. It's about being different. That's literally what he's saying. There is no difference. No matter what you've gone through in the past, no matter who you were, no matter what you've done, there is no difference. And the idea here that he's trying to carry is this. Jews and Gentiles, remember in the story, Jews and Gentiles never associated together. Jewish people hung out with Jewish people, Gentiles was everybody else who wasn't Jewish. And there was a clear separation. 
And what Paul is trying to make a statement here is this. Regardless of your background, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your religious distinction, regardless of what you grew up at, regardless of the law you followed or didn't follow, regardless of how good you were or how bad you were or are, there's no difference. The righteousness that comes is a righteousness that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I said that in a joking way, but I want you to understand this. All means, and too many Christians walk around acting like they're not sinners. You've just gotten better at hiding it, maybe. You just don't maybe carry it out in front of everybody and brag about it. You just keep it quiet. I remember hearing a joke a long time ago. What's the difference between a Catholic, a Methodist, and a Baptist when they go into a bar? Catholic and Methodist go in the front door. The Baptists go in the back. See, the reality is this. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same struggle. We're all in the same situation. We all face the same difficulties. We're all trapped at the bottom of a mine looking for a way out. And Jesus Christ both reveals the righteousness of God and becomes the means by which we attain that righteousness. In other words, how we are made righteous. Back to those miners, after 17 days, can you imagine 17 days trapped in darkness? After 17 days of being trapped in darkness, I don't know how they had this, I had to look this up. They had pulled the drill bit out. The rescuers had pulled one of the drill bits out and they found a note taped to the drill bit that said they were alive. 17 days. Trapped in darkness at the bottom of a 2,300 foot pit. That's 230 stories, roughly, maybe a little less. 200 stories. They're trapped at the bottom in complete darkness. The rescuers drilled a larger hole down and inserted a tube down into this to provide food and water, medicine, light, and communication. And so maybe you feel like life is caved in around you. Maybe you look at things, you say, hey, it's not that big a deal. Maybe you feel like maybe spiritually and emotionally and financially or relationally, everything is, is going crazy. There's darkness. But I want you to understand this. And here's what I think about this is that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the food down that tunnel. He is the living water. He is the great physician. He is the light of the world, and he hears our prayers. Just as those miners were trapped at the bottom, and they were sending down the resources they need to get out, Jesus offers those resources day in and day out so we can be rescued. But here's the great story. It's for everybody. It's for all, to all who believed. And so Jesus' death on the cross was the payment for your sins and mine, and all we have to do is believe. See, knowing God doesn't immediately change all of life's negative consequences, all of life's circumstances or realities, does it? Because if that was the case, then you'd become a Christian and everything would be perfect. You would have all the things taken care of. You'd never have a fight with your wife. Your kids would be perfect. Straight-A students, you know, Rhodes Scholars, volunteers and things, the best at sports, the best at music. No, that's not the way things go. 
Jesus is the answer to the problem because the problems are always going to be there. Why? Because we're sinners. We've all sinned. We all fall. We've all had those problems. So knowing God's name doesn't immediately change all of life's negative consequences. But knowing God's name provides a sustaining hope in the darkest of times. And hope comes through the knowledge that God is true to his name and aware of our situation. Listen to what he says in verse 24. Or I'm going to jump back to 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are, listen, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. How are you and I justified? Freely. By nothing you can do. There's no cost. There's nothing you can pay. There's nothing you can do. All you can do, according to this, is by faith in Christ, you are justified freely. Giving redemption or given redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the answers to life are not necessarily knowing God's names, but knowing God's names leads me into an understanding of how I can get through life's difficulties and problems. When I face life's difficulties and problems, then I can call on the names of God and the ones he's revealed himself as so that I can respond to the greatest circumstance. See, the greatest circumstance those miners had was what? Food? Water? Communication? Light? No. What is the greatest thing they wanted? Freedom. Well, get the heck out of Dodge. I won't be trapped down here underneath this earth. 2,300 feet below, they're looking for an answer. And what I want you to see, or what I want you to know is this. The 2,300 feet is nothing in comparison to what God wants to do in and through you. To what God wants to do for you. See, the miners, and I, I really want to go watch this movie now after I read the, all this story. But the miners were finally rescued down that hole that they drilled where they stuck the tube where they started providing food and medical supplies, they finally drilled a two-foot-wide tunnel down there, and they sent the thing down that they ended up naming the Phoenix. Now, anybody been up in the arch, you know what I'm talking about. The arch is only, I believe, 600 feet. And you get in this little capsule, and there's room for like three people. And you get a ride to the top, and you're like cramped in there, And if you could think of something even smaller than that, because they got this thing called the Phoenix, two foot wide, and one by one, they would lower it, get a miner in it, and they would bring them up. And then they would lower it, get a miner in, and bring it up. And they would lower it back down, a miner would get in, and they would bring it up. And the miners, after they were rescued by this Phoenix and lifted up out of their dungeon, one of the rescuers or, or one of the miners came out after the rescue and said that they had gathered as a group and called on God to rescue them. And I thought that was ironic because in the midst of everything that goes on in that story, there's a lot of similarities that you can look at. And you can go, well, they were in the deepest, darkest pit, the big, biggest dungeon you could ever think about. I mean, I think of 2,300 feet, and I, just try, I can't even really honestly fathom that. I know where I go hunting out in Wyoming, we climb to 8,000 feet. But 2,300 feet below ground, trapped, no way out, no light, no food, waiting for somebody to rescue. 
And Jesus in his resurrection offers that rescue just as we see here in Romans chapter 3. Because when Jesus rose again, there's this thing in the Bible that says that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And here's the beauty of this story, is that when we were at our deepest, darkest point, Jesus was the phoenix. He's the rescue. All you have to do is climb in. All you have to do is get on board. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because the idea is this. The phoenix went down and the miner could have said, you know what, I'm going to wait. Maybe somebody will dig a hole wider and I'm going to walk out this joint. When the rescue was sent down through the phoenix. Because the reality is this. A lot of us, we go about it like that. I'm going to walk out this joint on my own. Whether it's through good works, whether it's even the attempt to try and go to church on a regular basis, but you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ. There's a big difference there. This righteousness is from God apart from the law. A lot of us like to go through righteousness through the law. In other words, it's all about what we can do. I can do it. I can pick myself up. I'm a stronger man. It's the way I can do it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give more. I'm going to work and volunteer at the church. I'm going to do all of these good things. I'm going to change the way I act. I'm going to change the way I treat my kids or change the way I treat my wife. But you have a choice. You can either get on the phoenix. You can have a relationship with Christ. Or you can stay in the mine. Because God is Jehovah Sidkenu, he is our righteousness. Listen to how this finishes up. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. And he did this to demonstrate his justice. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to serve a God who doesn't love other people. God shows his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He shows his justice by allowing us as sinners to have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we could put our faith and trust in him, knowing that he offers us life and life more abundantly now. Not, not just an, an eternity thing, but that it's now. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to close with a song. And I want you to think about this as we celebrate the resurrection, as you think about everything that Easter means, that Jesus' death on the cross was the payment for our sins, but his resurrection offers life and life more abundantly, and the Lord is our righteousness. And so as we close with this song, I'm going to pray. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, here's what we're going to do, and I'm not going to put any pressure on you. I'm not going to ask you necessarily to come forward, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just say, just where you're at. Man, I got some questions. I want some, I want some answers. I got some doubts. I got some struggles. I'm not sure about this whole being rescued from any sort of mine. And you'd say, I just want, I need somebody to talk to. Here's what we're going to do. At the end of the service, I'm going to be right at the back. And if you want to talk to me, I'd love to talk with you. But I also want to offer this time because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so maybe that's just 
where you're at today. Maybe you're even a person who has gone to church for years. And you've put your faith and hope in the law. Father, we pray today that you would reveal that truth to us, that we would understand who you are, that the Lord is our righteousness, that Jesus' death on the cross pays a sacrifice for our sins, but his resurrection offers us life and life more abundantly. He rescues us from the mind, from the despair, from the mire, from the muck, and offers us life. And so today, where you're at, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, and you say, that's what I want to do, I'm just going to very simply lead you through this. There's nothing magic about this. There's nothing supernatural about this. This is between you and God and what's going on in your heart. But if you believe that, if you say, I want to put my faith and trust in Christ, you just say that, God, I believe that you made a way through your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again, defeating death and offering me life. And I put my faith and trust in him, knowing that it's freely through your grace that you have saved me. And so here's what we're going to do as we stand and sing. If that's something that you would pray, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. At the end, would you come and see me? I won't put any pressure on you. I don't want to put any manipulation or anything like that. That's a decision you're making for the first time. And you say, that's what it is. We're going to stand and sing. If you want somebody to pray for you, I'd love to be up here. I'm going to pray for you. Um, If you have anything that you want to share, that's fine. But I just want to encourage you, as we stand and sing, as we close out with this song, think about the, the words of this song and think about what Jesus has revealed to you.